303-9419-8377 or sign up online at 3cr.org.au forward slash subscribe. 3CR would like to acknowledge the Kulin Nation's true owners, caretakers and custodians of the land from which we broadcast. 3CR pays respect to elders past and present of the Kulin Nation. We recognise their unceded sovereignty. This is 3CR Breakfast. Alternative news, analysis and current affairs. Monday to Friday, 7am to 8.30am. Good morning and welcome to Monday Breakfast here on 855am Radical Radio 3CR. You're joined by James, Rob and Grace as always on Mondays. To start off, Grace, how was your weekend? It was good. I I think I was quite busy with work now that I've finished my uni. Basically. Yeah, we're still celebrating that you've done university. <laughs> yes, well done. finally. Ooh. I'm so happy with that. But obviously, uh, I kind of feel like I'm still quite busy because I have to work and all. I also attended the rally yesterday ah. for, for the Palestinian people. It was, I think, it's actually the first time I got to attend because I've been very busy the past weeks. And mm. I, yeah, wanted to see experience it for the first time because I haven't got to do that bef- mm. before. So it was very eye-opening. Mm. I learned a lot from the Palestinian people and also really could see the passion and the, what's, how is it? the desire to really make a change for everyone mm. and for mm. the Palestinian people. It was a it was a it was a great rally. I enjoyed it. Although I didn't like the weather. Yeah. It was mm. very warm. So I think that was the one thing I did not enjoy while I was, I was at a rally, but it was a good experience. Yeah. Mm. Perfect. How about you, Rob? Nice. How's your weekend? Yeah, good. Um mostly just spent the weekend applying for houses oh. and looking at houses as well. I did four house inspections on saturday oh my goodness (laughs) just one after the other um other than that that's pretty much it really just went for a boy how's the housing market it's horrible (laughs) (laughs) it's a crisis it's uh definitely a crisis yeah crisis crisis there are so many crises right now it's Mm. becoming a crisis in and of itself yeah Mm mm-hmm how about you, James? How was your weekend? My weekend was good. I managed to get down to Phillip Island yesterday. Nice. And get, oh. get some nice R&R. So walked around Churchill Island, which was lovely. Nice. And then went to the beach and just lay in the water. Did you get to see any penguins? I heard pe- Phillip Island has a lot of penguins. Phillip yeah. Island does have penguins. I didn't get to see any penguins, um, but I know they're there having a good mm. time, the old penguin population. Mm-hmm. Um, I I would get down to St Kilda and see some penguins there mm. if anyone wants some penguin action. You have to get down there super early, really, like, like oh yes, six a.m. or something when they yeah. they come in from the ocean. Oh yeah, and just walk to their little homes. That's so in cute. The rocks. One of the uh, one of the great day trips is going to the Espy in St Kilda, then walking yeah. down to the pier, looking at the penguins, then going back to the Espy. <laughs> That's uh, a good time. (laughs) (laughs) I reckon, yeah, you would see them only in the morning because, like, it's it gets very warm in the afternoon and they don't come out when it starts to be warm. So, Mm. yeah, interesting. I would love to see them. I haven't seen them in a long time, Mm. so I would love to see them again one day. One day, one day. Let's uh, jump to some headlines, shall we? Yes. So, Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu 
Netanyahu has again rejected the call to cease fire in Gaza until all of the more than 240 hostages captured by the Hamas during the October 7 attack were returned. Currently, the death toll has risen up to 9,770, according to The Guardian, as Palestinian Health Authority says that among those were 4,000 uh, Palestinian Health Authority says that among those were 4,008 children were killed in the blast. Just yesterday, over 30 people were killed in the bombing of the Makhazi refugee camp in central Gaza, according to the Guardian again, who recorded the Gaza Health Ministry. There was also another airstrike that hit a house near a school at the Buriji refugee camp in central Gaza. Staff at the Al-Aqsa Hospital told Associated Press reporters that at least 13 people were killed and that the camp was home to at least 46,000 people and yeah, was struck last Thursday. Over the weekend, the Walls- two Wall Street experts have warned that the Middle East war could spark global recession and this was triggered obviously by the conflict in the Middle East as humanitarian crisis compounds the challenges facing an already precarious world economy. This And this also includes due to the whole Russian invasion of Ukraine last year as well. So this was according to Larry Fink, who is the chief executive of the world's largest asset manager, BlackRock, said yeah, both these combinations have pushed the world to, quote it, almost to a whole new future. Palestinian human rights groups have launched a landmark legal action to investigate whether Australian-made weapons and ammunition are being supplied to Israeli forces amid its genocidal actions in Gaza. The three groups, Al-Haq, Amazan Center for Human Rights, and the Palestinian Center for Human Rights, say transparency over who is supplying weaponry and ammunition is vital. Government figures released last week reveal Australia has approved 332 defense exports to Israel over the past six years. 23 of which were in the first three months of this year. The three Palestinian groups will attempt to compel the release of the permit documents from the Defence Minister's office through the federal court. A loss and damage deal has been struck to help countries worst hit by the climate crisis. So governments have drawn up a blueprint for, f- for a fund to be administered at first by World Bank after some tense talks at the Abu Dhabi conference. So countries have agreed that key measures to supply funds to the world's most vulnerable people to repair the damage from climate breakdown. Governments from richer and poorer countries drew up the blueprint for a new loss and damage fund after a tense two-day meeting under UN guidance in Abu Dhabi that ended late on Saturday night. The loss and damage fund will be administered at first by the World Bank and will draw on funding sources including large developing countries as well as the US, the EU and the UK. No firm target has been set for how much money the fund will disperse, but countries most affected by the climate crisis hope it will reach hundreds of billions of dollars within a few years. Yep, so now we're going to go into the speech from the Palestinian rally that I attended yesterday. Mm. So this, there's a lot. A lot of the rally the speeches of the in the rally are going to be broadcasted throughout the weeks in other various shows at Tricia, but one. But I'm just gonna bring us one today. This is from this was from Liz Walsh, who is one of the Victorian socialists, and yeah, she was at the rally making one of the speeches yesterday. So let's take a listen. Tens of thousands of Palestinians have been killed. 
have been wiped out and the morgues are full of children. Shame! Nowhere is safe in Gaza. Nowhere. Not in schools, not in mosques, not in hospitals. Everything and everyone is a target for the Israeli state. Pro-Palestinian demonstrations in Australian history. Woo! 
to say to them that you are not alone. It would matter for us to take to the streets just to achieve that. But it matters that we take to the streets because Israel gets away with its carnage because it is backed to the hill by Western governments. the profit your power company makes end up. If you join CoPower, you get to decide where 100% of our revenue goes. So while we work to dismantle the whole broken energy market, our members are building the world they want to live in by supporting strike funds, renewables projects, anti-poverty initiatives, and much more. So change your power company and then start changing everything else. That's what CoPower is all about. Victorian energy fact sheets and basic plan information documents are available at cooperativepower.org.au. For clear advice on the right plan for you, contact us on 03 9068 A 3CR supporter. And that was Liz Walsh, one of the Victorian socialists who was speaking at 
the Palestinian rally yesterday. And I just found out because I was going through uh, the Free Palestinian Melbourne's Instagram. Yesterday, they organized the biggest Palestinian rally in Melbourne's history. The biggest ever. Yes, and Ooh. it was a, the largest anti-war protest since the Iraq invasion. So, wow. there's still going to be one happening again this Sunday at on the 12th of November, 12pm State Library. So, it's been the same for the past weeks. Same time, 12pm at the State Library every Sunday. So, yeah, wow. the rallies are going to continue and it's going to get bigger and bigger, I guess, hopefully. Yeah, everybody get down. Mm-hmm. Mm. What's taking place in Palestine is horrendous. The people of Gaza who have survived ethnic cleansing, three wars and a 16-year siege are now facing the biggest attacks ever mounted against them. This will only stop if governments like ours demand that it stop. Here are some ways that you can keep yourself informed and involved. Listen in to Palestine Remembered every Saturday morning at 9.30am or listen to the podcast. Join the APAN mailing list at apan.org.au for updates, news about actions you can get involved in and where you can donate to provide humanitarian assistance. Listen to other news and current affairs programs on 3CR that also cover Palestine. The oppression of the Palestinian people has been going on for 75 years. It has to stop. You can be part of making that happen by staying informed and active. APAN is a proud supporter of 3CR. Uncover the depths of human connection and power in the new opera by Evan Lawson and Nicole Butcher, The Sea. This visceral exploration of love, lust and the corrupting influence of power in relationships washes over you in this extraordinary collaboration between Forest Collective and BK Opera. The Sea plays from the 7th until the 10th of December at Abbotsford Convent. Tickets available from forestcollective.com.au. Forest Collective is a 3CR supporter. Rising Tide invites you to join the People's Blockade of the world's largest coal port from November 24 to 27 at Mullabimba, Newcastle. 1% of global emissions are from coal shipped through the port. We are in a climate crisis. It can't continue. Thousands of people will gather to demand no new coal and an end to coal exports by 2030 and alternative secure jobs for coal workers. Get on the water or chill out on the beach with live music and more. Register your interest at risingtide.org.au forward slash blockade and we'll get in touch with you. Rising Tide is a 3CR supporter. Change has to come. Change has to come. Change has to come.
That was The Vanishing American by Scuba Z. And right now we're going to go to a few more headlines before we jump into our next interview. Take it away, Rob. Five people, including two children, have died following a car crashing into a pub's beer garden in the regional town of Dalesford. Police say a white BMW mounted the curb and crashed crashed just after 6pm on Sunday. Multiple, Multiple people were taken to hospital, one of which was a child who later died. The car's driver, a 66-year-old man from Mount Macedon, was also taken to hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Emergency services from Ballarat, Bacchus Marsh and Dalesford all attended the scene, with police asking the public to avoid the area. Anthony Albanese has arrived in China and has addressed the Shanghai Trade Expo in first official visit by an Australian PM since 2016. Albanese has highlighted the shared history of Australia and China, urging the need to eliminate barriers to trade in his first address after arriving in Shanghai. Mr Albanese is seeking to put Australia's relationship with China on a more stable path, and his visit marks the 50th anniversary of Gough Whitlam's historic 1973 trip to China. Uh, in, In his statement to the Chinese press at the Trade Expo, Albanese said, In the half century since, both our economies have transformed and modernized and diversified in ways that our predecessors could not have imagined. Both our nations have benefited from a region that has grown and prospered, become more open and interconnected, a region that has been stable and peaceful. Along with other economies in our region, Australia and China have prospered thanks to the certainty and stability that is made possible by rules-based trade. So it's Melbourne Cup weekend, and that means that horse racing is going on in full swing. And we're going to replay a conversation we had with Elio Calotto, the founder of the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses and the Nup to the Cup campaign, about the highly successful campaign that is Nup to the Cup and the cruelty of the horse racing industry in general. And now we are joined by the founder of the Coalition for the Protection of Ray Horses and the Nup to the Cup campaign, uh, longtime animal advocate Elio Kelotto. Uh, and we'll be talking about his introduction to animal activism and the Nup to the Cup campaign. Elio, thanks so much for joining Monday Breakfast. That's a pleasure. Now, uh, just to get started, how did you come to be involved in campaigning for racehorse protection? Uh, look, I was involved with an organisation, um, an animal protection organisation, and we received a phone call from a lady who was concerned about some horses that appeared to be in very poor condition, and we investigated the, the property and we found that it was uh, was actually a knackery and um, there was in excess of 100 horses there and there were two pens um, that were completely full. We went into those pens and discovered that most of these horses were race horses. Um, many of them were in really good condition and still had their race plates. And um, the penny dropped for me that this was something that needed to be exposed. And um, that then after that, it led to about a two-year investigation into the racing industry, mm. including this particular NACRI and some others. And um, the Coalition for Protection of Race Horses was formed in 2008 as, as a consequence. Mm. Do you think you could speak more to why people should say nup to the cup? Well, um, 
I mean, when you look at racing for what it is, um, on the surface it looks like it's glamorous and it's fun. And, um, you know, I admit that prior to um, being involved uh, with this campaign that I actually had been to the races and had a good day. Um, but there is a dark side to the racing industry that, you know, we've exposed that's always been there. Um, and, you know, anyone that truly cares about animals could not possibly support the racing industry. I mean, these horses are forced to compete. Um, they are raced as young as two years of age, and so they're trained from about 18 months of age. And many of these horses break down even before making it to the racetrack um, mm. in a race. Um, and when they're retired, even before reaching maturity, when you know their growth plates don't fully um, uh, form until uh, until about five years of age. Yep. Um, so this is basically an industry that forces these racehorses to compete. And um, and when they're used up and, and most of them will sustain injuries as a result of being pushed too far, um, mm. they end up being disposed of and most likely end up in a, um, you know, as, as pet meat, um, as sold to greyhounds. And we find that totally unacceptable. Yep. And and further to that, I mean, we've done a, we've been uh, doing a death watch report for the last 10 odd years. Yep. And, and that reveals that, um, you know, there's um, literally... Horses dying on our racetracks um, almost on a daily basis. I think that would be the more accurate figure. But the study wow. that we produce is based on evidence from stewards' reports. And our latest study has shown that in the, in the 2022-23 racing year, yeah. 168 horses were killed on track. And I think wow. that's horrific that this is a sport that, um, that knows that it's going to kill its competitors. And these horses that do survive don't even have a retirement plan. Wow, what do you what do you think made this year? Obviously, um, yeah, the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses has only been recording the the, uh, the data since two thousand fourteen of horses which have died because of <coughs> racehorsing. But what do you think made this year the deadliest year on record? Um, I actually personally don't think that. This year is any worse than the other years. I think the difference wow. has been that we've become better at finding out uh, where we investigate more um, horses than we have in, in, in previous years. Yep. And we've also got people within the industry that feed us information, that, that tip us off about horses that um, that sustained an injury and are likely to have been killed. And it's our follow-up investigation wow. that has led to uncovering a lot of these deaths coming out. So... Even though our study shows 168 horses, that's, they're the ones that we've got evidence of. But even from um, this study, there's many other horses that we couldn't prove, but we know are most likely dead, but we weren't able to prove it. So even though the figure is officially 168 race horses, um, the, the ones that die each year as a result of racing injuries um, across Australia, we would say would be well into the thousands. Oh, wow. Wow. And you mentioned before that the the conditions of the horses is sort of kept in the dark. How do you think that the industry keeps it that way? I think they've kept it that way for so long because they've always had a reputation for you know being glamorous, and hmm. I think we've all heard the saying that racehorse is the best looked after animal in the world, and that's simply not the case at all. And and I think it was something that uh, animal. Uh, animal rights groups 
um, didn't consider, and it was mm. just fortuitously that that uh, we fell into it and decided we should do something about it. Um, but pretty much they have gone about their business for the last 250-odd years without um, having to, you know, answer to anyone. Uh, the RSPCA have definitely had a campaign against the use of the whip, but um, as we know, the RSPCA aren't as strong as they could be. And, um, and, and now they're being made accountable, and now we are seeing uh, changes taking place. Um, when we started, there was not one equine welfare department in any state um, jurisdiction. Now every state wow. has an equine welfare department. Um, but are they actually doing, uh, you know, things for, for the welfare of racehorses or is it just a bit of a PR stunt to make people believe that they are caring about them? I can tell you about Racing Victoria. Mm. They have an equine welfare department that I think staffs, I think, five, between five and seven people. And they have a euthanasia program that uh, if you've got a racehorse and um, that racehorse um, has, has sustained an injury, you can give them a call and fill out a form and and uh, they'll come and pick up your racehorse and, um, and have it killed for you. Uh, because wow. they don't want animal activists exposing what was exposed in 2019 when um, 7.30 ran the final story. And I, I suggest that anyone who cares about racehorses, if they haven't seen it, should watch the final uh, the final race, it's called, sorry. Um, it's on YouTube. And it, um, that investigation that went over, that lasted two years, um, that we were in, heavily involved in, uh, proved that around 3,000 racehorses were going through this one abattoir alone. And, um, you know, that, that's, that's disgusting that that's allowed to happen, but now it's happening more underground because the racing industry knows that they're losing popularity with the younger generations who are mm. turning away from racing. And, and it's our job mm. to keep the truth out there and, and, um, and, you know, make people aware of what they're supporting if they're going to the races. Yeah, sure. And why why do you think, like, what has caused the sort of decline in the horse racing, horse racing support by the younger generation? Do you think it's because of your advocacy and campaigns for the Nub to, Nub to the Cup campaign? Yeah, well, I think um, once we started campaigning against horse racing, I, I think it's something that hits you pretty quickly if you do care about mm. animals. I think once you see some of the graphic images that, um, you know, we, we have on our website and when we do our demonstrations, we're, we're yeah. demonstrating all year round. Um, certainly the focus is Spring Carnival, um, but we are campaigning uh, all year round. And, and I think once somebody sees the truth when they see those images or they watch the video, um, and like I said, the final race, um, that uh, the investigation uh, that was um, came out in 2019. Once you watch mm. that, any person that cares about animals could not possibly um, go to the races after that. And I, and I think the younger people um, uh, are, are easier to to receive that message because um, they haven't been maybe that <coughs> excuse me <coughs> they haven't developed the habit of maybe going to the races like some older people may have. Yeah. And so we're seeing, like when we're demonstrating, we're seeing a lot of young people deciding that they don't want to, they're not going to the races anymore. And we're yeah. seeing uh, more and more people 
turning up to our events, which is fantastic. And wow. uh, we can see though where racing industry will um, will will become just a a, a little uh, little industry that um, is only supported by the hardcore racing uh, fraternity. <coughs> yep. Sure. And I guess, like, also as a, a person pretty passionate about animal animal rights and especially racehorses, I've seen some pretty heated debates about supporting um, the Melbourne Cup specifically. What I was just wondering, what kind of opposition you guys have faced, you know, in the in the front lines of advocating for racehorses? Uh, look, we've. Um I think we've uh, been able to get our message out there. We, um, in the early days, they obviously make it as difficult for us as they possibly can to try mm. to get their message out there. And uh, certainly, we, um, I'm, I'm certainly not welcome at, at uh, most race tracks. Mm. Uh, but our demonstrations out in the front do attract public attention. We've seen, uh, you know, six, seven odd horses killed in a Melbourne Cup day in the last. 10, 10 years. Wow. That's certainly been a, a really bad step for the racing industry uh, that they haven't been able to um, get over, I, I don't think. And it was because we were actually there that uh, there was a voice for those racehorses yep. that enabled the story to get out there and be made bigger. Yep. And, um, you know, we, we're out there saying to people, you know, like, we're, there's a racehorse killed on our racetracks every two days. Um and, and many more that we don't know about, you know, sustained injuries and, and disappear from racing altogether. Yep. And and that's that's the message that we have for people going to the races, that these, yep. these are not, you know, it's not only the horses in the Melbourne Cup. In fact, often on Melbourne Cup Day, there's horses that die around the country. There was a horse in Sydney, I think, last year that died mm. um, on, on Melbourne Cup Day. And, and uh, it, it just happens all the time. And it's, it's, in, it's because... Horse racing is inherently dangerous. You're asking mm. a horse um, that's often too young, um, they race too often, and they're being whipped and they're pushed to be on their physical limits. And when that happens, mm. a horse just runs until a point where, you know, 90% of them bleed from the lungs, uh, which is a very telling stat as a result wow. of overexertion. But many sustain micro fractures and that can develop into major fractures and sometimes um, they can be breaks that... Um, uh, you know, when you see these catastrophic um, limb injuries where you see a, a horse's leg dangling uh, as it's trying to, to run, um, they die from a heart attack. Yeah. Um, it's crazy that a horse, a young fit horse, can die from a heart attack. And that's, these are the telling facts about racing that tells you that um, horse racing uh, just pushes these horses way too much. And often the racehorse pays uh, for that with, with their lives. The Melbourne Cup uh, day is fast approaching, and that's the big day in the horse racing calendar. Um, could you just describe what the Nup to the Cup campaign is and how people can get involved if they're interested? Yeah, sure. Well, we've been running Nup to the Cup for about uh, 12 years now, and it started just with one three-metre by three-metre marquee um, in Newmarket Reserve, which is a small park just up the road from the main entrance to Flemington. And we put up the signs that we had and thought it was an opportunity for us to show people you can have a good time without going to the races and at the same time be a voice for them. Um, and obviously there's a lot of people coming from the city, uh, coming down Epson Road, 
and also Racecourse Road, uh, that would see our signs. And we, we could see the, the horrified looks on people's faces as they, as they were driving by um, or walking by or on trams. And they're horrified to see those images. And from then it's grown to be a proper event where we have music and this year we're uh, holding it in, in the Bowls Club, which is in the park. Uh, we're also going to be doing a demonstration on the corner there, so people, all our signs and it will be up there. And we and Nup for the Cup, the idea of Nup for the Cup is that people can have a great time on Melbourne Cup Day, but instead of being out there being parties, indirect, you know, perhaps inadvertently uh, supporting horse racing by attending a, a, a Melbourne Cup event, um, they can actually support animals and attend one of the many Nup for the Cup events being held around the country that raise money for animal uh, causes um, rather than giving it to the racing industry that uh, will only further exploit racehorses. So our event is, our, is the feature event here in, in Melbourne. And um, we're going to be having two great bands playing, um, the Tarantinos and Play Lunch. Um, there's going to be free bowls. Um, it, it's always a really fun day. We're going to have these silly human races. And it's, it's, it's a really good day. It's a really positive day that people can spend with like-minded people who really care about animals. Mm. Um, we think we have much more fun than um, what they do just across the road um, in, at the Flemington Race Course. And yep. um, people can get together and feel good about having a good time at, while at the same time raising money for, for animal charity. Mm. Awesome. Well, that's pretty much all we have time for. Thank you so much for for speaking to us about Nut to the Cup and, uh, in general, the horse racing industry. Cheers. Thank you. That was Elio Calotto, uh, the founder of the Coalition for the Protection of Racehorses and the Nup to the Cup campaign. Um, you can find more information on the reality behind horse racing at horseracingkills.com. And that includes uh, data from uh, this horse racing season and also for information on on alternatives to attending the Melbourne Cup day you can head to nuptothecup.org have fun on Melbourne Cup day but without the cruelty by saying nup to the cup join coalition for the protection of racehorses and 10 fingers on Tuesday 7th of November for fashions on the field at the Flemington Bowls Club from 11 a.m. live music DJs, delicious food, lawn bowls, outlandish dress-ups and human races. Let's celebrate animals, not exploit them. Visit nuptothecup.org for tickets. Help us make the first Tuesday of November a party for the animals. Nup to the Cup is a 3CR supporter. Music from the wetlands on the banks of the Yarra River in Elfington on Sunday the 19th of November is a celebration of music, community and the environment. Music all afternoon featuring local and established artists including Kutcher Edwards and Al Sakuma Beats. Food and drinks available, great kids activities and displays from environmental groups. Why not join Havana Palava's Music March from Elfington Park at 11.45am and make a day of it. More details at musicfromthewetlands.com.au Music from the Wetlands is a 3CR supporter.
Because the Palestinian fight isn't just the Palestinians' fight, it's all our fight, because it's a fight not just about land, it's about a fight for freedom. Everybody should be standing here today saying, free Palestine. Solidarity with our Palestinian brothers and sisters, on behalf of the Bumbanja nation, my people who've never ceded their sovereignty. We should be recognising Palestine as a state and recognising the rights of Palestinians. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. That peace and love were just the same Then I learned that life is not only a game Each man must fight and fight again Never, never, never let your life just flow away Let your life have value Every day, always, always, always Give your life for the dream Don't forget, young man, a time lasts not just as it seems I dreamt of love and peace Without the cries of hate Then I saw that people died As if it was their fate To fight for freedom is just a right Against aggression one must fight Till the silence comes again that peaceful silence, that truthful silence. Love your brother! But hate your enemy. I used to think that peace and love were just the same. Then I learned that life is not only a game Each man must fight and fight again Never, never, never let your life just flow away Let your life have value Every day, always, always, always Give your life for the dream Don't forget, young man, a tired life's not just as it seems Now that I've seen the light We all as one shall fight We shall win our victory Our dreams people shall see Never, never, never let your life just flow away hey, Let your life have value Every day, always, always, always Give your life for the dream don't forget, young man, a tire lasts not just as it seems. Never, never, never let your life just flow away. Hey, but let your life have value. Every day, always, always, always give your life for the dream. Don't forget, young man, a tire lasts not We know you love listening to 3CR. But we also know that many of you haven't downloaded the Community Radio Plus app yet. The app lets you tune in anywhere. 
and share the station with your friends. So, show the love and share the love and search Community Radio Plus wherever you get your apps. That was Love Your Brother by Dean Reed. And now we're going to move to play sort of, I guess, an, an exclusive interview that I've been working on for a few weeks um, with a person called Louise, who is a forgotten Australian and a victim and survivor of institutional abuse, speaking with me and her friend Sumi. What you're about to hear is audio from the night multiple police officers and at least one armed security guard broke into Louise's home to forcibly evict her, followed by a constructed trespass charge to cover up a malfeasant sale. This audio may be distressing to some listeners and will be repeated throughout the interview with prior warning, so you can skip ahead if you need to. Louise, can you just come out? We'll make it a lot easier. We're not going to stop. We're not allowed to stop. You're a trespasser on this private premises. We have our instructions. We have to continue until we have you out. I'll make it lots easier, Louise. Just come out. The cannon will be here all day. That's our job. We'll pay for it. Uh, Louise, do you want to start off by speaking about your situation and sort of how it evolved? Mm, yes, and um, starting from um, the title that I was given as a Forgotten Australian, the national apology to Forgotten Australians and the Stolen Generation and the Child Migrant Generation, I took seriously. And that was meant to be in my past and for my experience um, to be having two years off 70, institutional abuses all over again, the system abuse, the neglect, um, is why I'm doing this interview. Mm. Because I was a survivor. I went beyond it. I got to the other side of serious wrongs and here I am having to do this interview in the public interest to let the public know what's going on in the social housing sector. Because again, I'm trying to survive victimisation and I mustn't allow myself to be silenced. I am talking to power. And the neglect that I'm being subjected to has to stop. And the only way it will is for me to speak out even louder. 
and that's what I'm doing in this interview. And I am gravely concerned as to what is happening in the housing sector. My interests as a vulnerable Victorian with a disability has not been protected. And when our new Premier, Jacinta Allen, says, the dignity with a roof over your head, that really is pertinent to my reality. I need a roof over my head and so many others do. And to have the roof over my head violently taken from me has to be addressed. Because if the government is saying social housing is the new, is the new narrative, the panacea, then it better get its act together. Because what it's doing in public housing is horrendous, displacing 125,000 in the 44 public housing towers alone. Victoria already has the fastest growing rate of homelessness in the country. The Labor government just has to say no to the property developers. That's it, bottom line. And start relating to us with the dignity that we deserve. Well, Louise, do you want to just move to talk about forced evictions that you faced? Yes. Um, I've been a social housing um, tenant for decades, 30 years. And um, in 2020, I was subjected to a forced eviction simply because I turned whistleblower in 2010 and spoke out about the changes that were going on. And for my housing provider, Common Equity Housing Limited, to use the police to dehouse an innocent woman simply because I raised genuine concerns as to the whole change in the structure. Can you speak more to what the changes in the structure were? Well, um, partnership occurred between the private and the public sector and um, the, public, uh, the Department of Family, Fairness and Homes wanted to outsource their properties to be managed by what are called housing associations. And my housing provider, Common Equity Housing Limited, became a primary partner. But they didn't want, that's the Department of Family Fairness and Homes, and the government didn't want relocated public and private tenants to claim cooperative status in their tenancies because that gave them voice vote and participation and co-landlord status as shareholders, as stakeholders in the community sector of housing, in cooperative housing, which really Mm. works. Mm. It really addresses property inequalities. It gave security of tenure for 30 years, rollover. Mm. I have never been happier until I became a victim of the underbelly side of social housing. I stood up and wanted to protect the cooperative uh, model and government and housing associations wanted to fast-track this private-public partnership because the population was just growing off the chart where the ordinary Victorian needed housing welfare support right across the sector, Mm. every state. And the department thought, oh, it's just easier to outsource their liabilities and they omitted to ensure that regulations were enforced. And so these um, housing associations under corporate law 
are failing to meet their obligations to look after the interests of the vulnerable. And I was subjected to a forced eviction under a no-grounds eviction. And I was accused um, of owing rent when, when not a cent was owed. And in fact, Common Equity Housing Limited still has my rental credit of over $3,000. Yet they use debt to evict me when none existed. Accountability needs to occur. What would that accountability, what would that look like for you? My innocence would be vindicated. Justice would be definitely seen to be served. And that uh, my dignity of having a roof over my head would, would be given to me immediately. You mentioned in 2010 you've started to blow the whistle and in, mm. in the 10 years between then and when you were forcibly evicted, mm. they changed their attitudes. Can you speak to how that evolved? Well, they wanted to get rid of um, the elephant in the room. They wanted to cover it up, what I raised, as to how they were bypassing the cooperative principles and values of giving renters co-landlord status. And they brought into reality a division called Vic Wide Housing and they changed the tenancy uh, contract within the program so that it was a black and white landlord-tenant relationship, not with cooperative status that gave the renters co-landlords decision-making. So the more I defended my innocence, the more I was um, pursued in Common Equity Housing Limited wanting to silence me. It meant I had to appeal to the Supreme Court where I had to establish that no no rent was owed and that Common Equity Housing Limited were told by the Supreme Court to receive the money that they had all the time, that they just left dormant in the cooperative banking system, which they did, then Common Equity Housing Limited still pursued the warrant <laughs> and executed it. So uh, maybe, Sumi, you want to just jump in? Mm. Yes, thank you. Uh, look, hearing Louise's story, uh, which is a simple story that's been made complicated for a number of reasons because information has not been provided to the public about what is happening in each individual case like Louise's. Mm. Instead, words have been used and words have been conflated. Most recently, the words public and social have been conflated in relation to housing. So people have been led to believe that this new social housing model is actually very much the same as the previous public housing model. And what we're hearing from Louise's story is that this is so far from being the case. So when Louise then tries to tell her, talk about her,
her experiences and tell her simple story because of the narrative and because of these conflation of terms, it's very hard to hear that simple story. And I'm hearing some of the details for the first time now uh, and those details are very powerful. It also speaks of uh, a person who is incredibly articulate, who knows the system, being silenced in a variety of ways, but in a most concerning way through the use of language, through the use of, through this conflation of public and social. And um, anyone that was going to be a voice for the truth and that cooperative housing um, rentals works... Uh, they wanted to shut down. And it's yeah. such, such a tragedy because giving us security of, of tenure and housing is mm. the answer. Mm. It is all about the human capital, yes. not the greed. And don't forget, listeners, that there is a petition for Louise's situation which will be included in the show notes. Also, Rahu, alongside the Greens, Victorian Socialists and social media personality Purple Pingers are hosting a rally for renters and the fight for housing justice on November 11th on the corner of Smith Street and Gertrude Street in Fitzroy at 1pm. That was the first part of my interview with Louise, a forgotten Australian and a victim and survivor of institutional abuse about her story being forcibly evicted. Uh, also her friend with her friend Sumi was there as well. Tickets are now on sale for the 2024 Marxism Conference happening over the Easter weekend. The Marxism Conference is one of the biggest gatherings of revolutionaries, radicals and activists from around Australia and across the world. Three days of discussions, interviews and debates on key questions and themes for socialists, covering radical working class history, Marxist fundamentals, left debates and global struggles happening today. With our world entering a new era of accelerated climate crisis, economic chaos, and rising imperialist tensions, it's now more important than ever for socialists and anti-capitalists to get together to discuss and debate ideas for a world in crisis. Lock in your spot to Australia's biggest socialist conference and grab your tickets now at marxismconference.org. A 3CR supporter. Hi everyone, you're invited to the 2023 Beyond the Bars CD launch on Thursday the 16th of November at Arnie Almathorpe's gathering place, Dadi Munwaro, High Street, Preston. Join MC Shirley Hood for an evening of talks and music, including Kutch Edwards, Amos Roach, Chris Austin and myself, Robbie Thorpe and the band. Thursday, the 16th of November, Arnie Almathorpe's Gathering Place, Dadi Munwaro, from 6pm to 8.30pm. All welcome, see you there. Logging operation, any person found within this coop is offending. Can they please leave? You're allowed no closer than the bridge down the track there. Any person that's found in the coop will be arrested and charged. <laughs> I direct that you all leave now. Gecko's turning 30 and we're having a party. 
The Goongra Environment Centre has been fighting to protect East Gippsland's forest since 1993 and we want to party with you. There'll be music, performances, food, drink, old friends and new friends. What better way to celebrate the end of native forest logging in Victoria? From December 1st to the 3rd in Goongra, East Gippsland. To find out more, go to gecko.org.au. Gecko, 30 years fighting for forests. Get down to the party. Celebrate with us. A 3CR supporter. Bisexual Alliance Victoria is a not-for-profit organisation dedicated to equality and justice for multi-gender attracted people, including bi, pan, regardless of label or no label at all, their partners and allies. Bisexual Alliance runs discussion groups in person and online. The group offers a safe and fun space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your sexual identity and provide peer support. Bisexual Alliance is especially keen to hear from multi-gender attracted people in regional and rural Victoria. Donations of $2 or more to Bisexual Alliance are now tax deductible. For more information, visit our website at bi-alliance.org, email info at bi-alliance.org or find us on Facebook or Twitter. A 3CR supporter. I'm Welcome back to Radical Radio 3CR, 855 AM with Rob, James and Grace. We are now going to play the second part of my interview with Louise, who is a forgotten Australian and a victim and survivor of institutional abuse, as um, her friend Sumi is also in the interview. Here we go. What you're about to hear is audio from the night multiple police officers and at least one armed security guard broke into Louise's home to forcibly evict her, followed by a constructed trespass charge to cover up a malfeasant sale. This audio may be distressing to some listeners and will be repeated throughout the interview with prior warning, so you can skip ahead if you need to. Louise, can you just come out? We'll make it a lot easier. We're not going to stop. We're not allowed to stop. You're a trespasser on this private premises. We have our instructions. We have to continue until we have you out. I'll make it a lot easier, Louise. Just come out. The cannon will be here all day. That's our job. We'll pay for it.
Louise, you mentioned before that the story sort of goes back to 2005 and then since then changes to the planning and the motives to privatise have just grown and grown, if that's mm, correct. Yes, it's, it's, it's been taken as a given. We're going to privatise public housing. No, public housing is public housing. Mm, yes. It belongs to the public. Yes. Same with community housing, mm. society, looking after the welfare of society. But in reality, it's very, very different. It's all about greed, property developers walking straight into their banks. I was, um, I was actually speaking to a, another Rahu member yesterday about the Victorian Labor's recent housing plan. And he said that the housing plan, it almost seems in, intentional that they've used social public especially those two words, almost interchangeably Hmm. to create some kind of vague, you know, it's really hard to understand what they actually mean in order to give them a licence to privatise, not privatise on their own agenda. Do you think that kind of matches up with... Oh, yes, it's so misleading. Mm. And affordable. Mm. Affordable to whom? A very small, a minority. Mm. And this is the narrative that has to be exposed so that we really do understand what is being offered Mm. and not offered. And protecting our interest isn't happening. Mm. I also just want to talk about the financial abuse by Mm. the housing provider. Mm. Yes. Yes, thank you. That's necessary um, to expose that. They used my rent, Mm. my paid rent, to coercively control me. It paled into insignificance, family violence for me, the community family violence I was being subjected to, the threat, they're using the threat of eviction as far back as 2008. Mm. Always there, always present. We will evict you if you don't do what we're telling you. Always there. And you're just expected to... And and roll over, submit. Mm. So many shut down. There were those that fled the program. And its vision was magnificent, the cooperative principles Mm. and practices. Mm. Simply because government doesn't want to give the public, the community, agency, the betrayal of trust. Like it it was the healing ingredient for me. I can remember the, the whole learning curve, the whole dependency on public housing and then growing out of that and realising that the agency I was being given as a responsible stakeholder was so important, Mm. making Mm. decisions about the program, Mm -hmm. looking Mm. after our properties, Mm. paying the rates, Mm. doing what a landlord does, Mm. being trusted, Mm. growing into that responsibility. And instead they've used your rent money as a means to... Control. And what's particularly insidious is that they use administration... Oh, definitely. ...and changing the administration so that they can use... Louise's rent against her by creating this other account that they then wanted you to put your rent money into. Mm, Because whoever you pay your rent to determines the the landlord. And so that's how they were forcing me to submit. Oh, you can't pay to the cooperative who was the legitimate landlord. Oh, we want you to pay to Vic Wide Housing because then that gave them credence as the landlord. However, what was withheld from VCAT was the truth that it changed my tenancy contract. It meant that I was no longer a stakeholder. 
It took away my voice. It disenfranchised me. It made me a tenant in a black and white landlord-tenant relationship rather than a cooperative renter that gave me co-landlord status to make decisions in the best interest of the program, in the best Mm. interest of of all other stakeholders, Mm. in the best interest of community, in the best interest of the public. Do you think we could move on to speak more generally about what the vagueness and the changes to the public housing model or public or social housing model means for other older women and people in general who are trying to access these services? Well, they think that choosing to be in social housing, it's going to be more progressive, but it isn't. And because of the vagueness that Louise spoke about earlier, I don't think people know what kind of arrangement they're entering into Mm. when they enter into social housing, because we still don't know what that really means. The word affordable has been attached to that word as well. But again, affordable for whom, as Louise has Mm. asked. Mm. And there's a leap of faith that um, especially women of a certain age have to enter into because the choices are just not there for them. Mm. And that leap of faith might actually put them in a far worse situation than any Anything else that they might be able to find and the availability of a, an arrangement where they are in a degree of control have a say that is the public housing model which is slowly mm. being abandoned or has been completely abandoned I'm not even clear about that I'll be honest and put that on, on the table I'm not even clear whether the public housing model has been abandoned because the government hasn't been clear about that nor mm. has the media Mm. mainstream Mm. media. But the moving away from public housing means that the choices available to women like Louise of a certain age who have, you know, health-related issues are such that they're so limited that they're almost forced to enter into these arrangements that are unaffordable uh, and require this massive leap of faith. And corporate governance can bypass um, so much their obligations in terms of um, the Charter of Human Rights and Responsibilities. They can say that that they're not functioning on behalf of government and bypass their obligations completely Mm. just by their corporate status. And there's no one to... (laughs) There's no no one one. to um, oversee and make sure that they they act accordingly in our best interests. No accountability. So where does the case against your housing provider stand now? What can people listening to this interview do to... Well, they need to question it because if housing associations can nilly-willy evict their tenants, that's a huge concern. Just by changing yeah, who just you by, pay renting? by to. falsely claiming, oh, they owe rent when yeah. they don't. And you have a petition for your case against your housing provider, is that right? Yes, my neighbour started a petition way back in 2016. Mm. Wow. And um, um, Jacinta Allen, if you're listening, Mm. um, definitely I would like the dignity of my roof um, restored to Mm. over my head. That that petition can be found on change.org and um, at the moment it stands at 35,000 signatures. Wow. There are enough people interested. More people could be interested if they yeah. got a chance to hear Louise's story. Yeah, Because the devil is in the detail. You know, as has already been said, it's quite a simple story. But the first thing that needs to be done as the person on the street, and I count myself here as the person on the street, is that we need to ask questions about not about housing affordability more generally, but about housing affordability for everyone. 
We are looking at how, you know, rental prices are going up and how property prices are going up. Correct. Mm. But we need to be asking questions about housing that are not just about, you know, how much is the cost of a property or how much is rent, Mm. but how are we looking after our general population so that everyone has housing and has dignity in relation to their housing situation. Ask that of your local member of parliament. For Common Equity Housing Limited to pay extra to security guards to wear guns, consciously make that choice. We will pay security guards extra to the company to make sure that they're wearing guns when they come and evict me. It is shocking. And to use the police to evict an innocent woman at 68 onto the street, and I've been homeless since then. What you're about to hear is audio from the night multiple police officers and at least one armed security guard broke into Louise's home to forcibly evict her, followed by a constructed trespass charge to cover up a malfeasant sale. This audio may be distressing to some listeners and will be repeated throughout the interview with prior warning, so you can skip ahead if you need to. Louise, can you just come out and make it a lot easier? I'm not going to stop. I'm not allowed to stop. You're a trespasser on this private premises. We have our instructions. We have to continue until we have you out. I'll make it a lot easier, Louise. Just come out. The cannon will be here all day. That's our job. We'll pay for it. too many women of my age that are ending up on the street. You used police as in plural. Yes. Oh. Ironically, in the timeline when I had the experience of the second eviction, my neighbour was broken into, but the police didn't turn up. Oh, right. Not at all. <laughs> Yet I had three police cars turn up yes. with armed security guards and there's so much more to my story the layers upon layers yeah in terms of the extreme extent mm. that common equity housing limited went mm-hmm. in pursuing me mm. to wow. silence me mm. yeah do you want to go into that it's totally up yes to you. um the 2nd of july 2021 the second experience where the police mm. used the armed security guards to break in because the police needed paperwork if they were going to damage the property. Mm. So they used the security guards to do the breaking in Mm. 
and I'm still traumatised mm. by mm. the sound of the breaking glass, yeah. the sound of their boots as they were running around um, from the front to the back of my home, the comments that they made, the lights of the police cars and of the security cards, yep. cars um, still trigger me. I should be able to go to the police to be protected. Yes. Yeah. The purpose of the police is to protect the innocent and the vulnerable. I can't even do that. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Mm. Mm. Yeah, thank you for your vulnerability as mm. well. I think that's, that's yeah. everything else that I wanted to ask on my end. Is there anything else that either of you wanted to say? Um, the Royal Commission, the Disability um, Royal Commission that's just been handed to mm. the Federal Attorney General, at what age mm. and the way I'm being treated... Mm. Does it constitute elders abuse as to mm. as to how I'm being totally neglected by the department who is very cognizant of uh, my situation? And don't forget, listeners, that there is a petition for Louise's situation which will be included in the show notes. Also, Rahu, alongside the Greens, Victorian Socialists and social media personality Purple Pingers are hosting a rally for renters and the fight for housing justice on November 11th on the corner of Smith Street and Gertrude Street in Fitzroy at 1pm. That was the second part of my interview with forgotten Australian and victim and survivor of institutional abuse, Louise, alongside her friend Sumi, uh, to talk about Louise's forced eviction. Trans Family is a not-for-profit organization providing a peer support group for loved ones including parents, siblings, extended family, and friends of a trans and gender diverse person. Trans Family runs discussion groups in person and online. We offer a safe space to share your experiences, ask any questions regarding your situation, and provide peer support. We are especially keen to hear from loved ones in regional and rural Victoria. Donations to Trans Family are tax deductible. For more information, visit transfamily.org.au or look for us on Facebook. Trans Family is a 3CR supporter. The war on Palestine must stop. Come and hear Francesca Albanese, the United Nations Rapporteur on Palestine, speak about the underlying causes of the conflict, the human rights abuses taking place, and the role of international law and accountability in providing Palestinians with self-determination and justice. 6pm, Thursday 16th of November, Drill Hall, 26 Ferry Street, Melbourne. Book at Try Booking or go to the Free Palestine Melbourne Events page for the link. Free Palestine Vic forward slash events. Be active. Be informed. Free Palestine Melbourne is a supporter of 3CR. Since 1954, Overland has been home to local and international literature, non-fiction and cutting-edge poetry. 
Overland Journal's subscriber drive is on now. Anyone who takes out an annual subscription between now and November the 10th will go on the draw to win heaps of prizes, receive four issues of Overland, and be supporting vital Australian literary culture. Overland Journal in print quarterly and online weekly. Head to overland.org.au to subscribe today. Overland Journal is a 3CR supporter. Welcome back 
to 3CR Radical Radio with Rob, James and Grace. That was Summer Breeze by Seals and Crofts. Before that, we heard these uh, first two parts of my interview with Louise, an exclusive interview. Uh, Louise is a forgotten Australian and victim and survivor of institutional abuse. We will be playing the uh, other two parts of my interview with her next week. Amazing. It's a, f- a phenomenal interview, Rob. Thank you. First ever exclusive for you. Yeah, yeah first ever exclusive for 3CR Scoop. Woohoo. Mm. Award-winning stuff. <laughs> Great job. So that just about does it for our program today. Uh, what's on for the week ahead, Grace? Um, I'm just going to be going out with my friends for the week. Uh, yeah. Uh, we're going to the beach tomorrow, I think. That's Ooh. where we want to go. Ooh. So, fun stuff. Uh, I think it's going to be really, really, really hot compared to today. Oh, I've, I, Because I, I think I saw I was going to go up to like 30 degrees. So, Ooh. that's... I guess it's a good thing and not... Good and a bad thing because I'm gr- glad summer's finally here. But mm. also at the same time, I hate getting sweaty. So, that's yeah. not a good part, yeah. I feel that. How about you, Rob? Uh, I have a big week. Big week ahead. Um, I start a new, I start a new job on Ooh, Wednesday. It's gonna be cool. Um, and then just have a weekend of, yeah, just socializing. Mm. It's mm. gonna be really fun. Love that. Beautiful. Um, hopefully the weather won't be too daunting. Warm. Yeah, <laughs> to me, <laughs> to me and my bald head. <laughs> um, yeah, what's on for you, James? Uh, not much. Maybe a little bit of PhD work here and there, just getting nice. things lined up. Um, I dare say I'm going to be lying down on the couch a lot, mm. which is probably my favourite activity in the world. Hell yeah. And that's about it. You've been listening to Monday Breakfast here on 855 AM 3CR. You can listen to us many ways. Just head to the 3CR website and look at Monday Breakfast. Have a great week and thanks for listening. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.